0: In this episode, we talk about what makes programming for iOS difficult, about Epic and the in-app purchase situation, as well as blocking. This is Contravariance, a podcast about Apple, Swift, and other programming topics. Good evening, guys. Good evening, Benedict. It's been a long time since we recorded a podcast.
1: Yeah, it's been a very long time since we recorded a podcast. Um, You might get the feeling that there was no Contravariance podcast anymore, but uh, that's quite the opposite. Um, We even have something recorded, so there will be probably two new episodes in a very short amount of time, but uh, we didn't record something for a long amount of time.
0: Yeah, so it's nice to to talk to you again, to hear your voice again. I mean, I've been hearing it at work, but in this (laughs) setting, it's a little different
1: and it's a little nicer. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, Indeed it's nice and I think there are also a lot of topics we can talk about um, because since we didn't record for such a long amount of time um, well things pile up right topics pile up and um, mm-hmm. so I can actually actually start because it, it's related to the long amount of time um, with um, the current state of HyperDeck maybe somebody's interested in that and the, the current state is not much didn't change. And the the reason for that is uh, that um, on the one hand, work was very busy. So after, after doing like the eight hours of work um, in the COVID situation and so on, I felt rather stressed out and I couldn't really focus on work after work. Um, but also... Um, with covid and with a situation where um when you go out for eating for for dinner or for lunch for example um you go to a restaurant and you sit outside this only works in summer and uh, we are currently in summer and i think the winter is going to be a lot harder here um, and i felt i really wanted to enjoy the summer like this, this precious little summer where everything almost feels normal because a lot of things can be done outside that in the future like in this in the upcoming winter won't work and so i decided to to pause hypertech for a brief amount of time also because Currently, there are not really in-person conferences going on where the app needs to be done as fast as possible. And then there's a lot of beta changes that were tricky for me to be because every Xcode version um, changed things again and changed the behavior. And then I had to backtrack from what I implemented. And I thought I would just wait. And then I think now that the beta period is coming to an end and the summer is slowly coming to an end, I, I can start again. Uh, so there's not much news from the yeah. analytics side.
0: I feel that that's a good... Like, I mean, not necessarily that it's a good decision, right? I mean, like, in the end, it all depends on a lot of things. But what you mentioned of, like, you know, it's summer. I also want to take some time just to, you know, spend with friends and family um, or, or just spend alone, whatever. Like, that's great. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, that's, that's perfect. Um, and what you mentioned as well, like, if you don't have a specific, like, launch date, um, like, being able to skip part of like the beta release cycle is probably pretty nice um where you know you can wait for some things to get fixed and some bugs to get ironed out and just for things to to stabilize in terms of what you said the api and 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 those kind of things um and then you know take it take a step back for a while and then like have that energy again to to jump back in
1: right and especially with catalyst which is what i'm using um, you don't really know if something that doesn't work, if it maybe works in the final release or not. And you don't get any indication, any bug reports of that. And so before I and and, and working around these issues that I have is a lot of work. And so I decided uh, it, it makes more sense for me to wait and see what is the final release going to be like and then use what's available before spending like two weeks implementing a workaround only to find that the next beta um enables like fixes this bug and and then i invested two weeks of, of work for nothing which is really tricky if you're doing all this alone you have to be very careful about um, going these the, down the was this past too often
0: yeah and i think that especially counts during like a beta cycle right like i mean after the betas are you know after we have like a new release like then it will probably take a while like if something is broken and it is like fundamental you probably will have to look into like doing a workaround but doing that during the beta cycle and then
1: realizing like okay it was actually fixed like mm. yeah that is tricky yeah um actually fun fact um today i felt energized enough to look into it again. And I wanted to like start working on HyperDeck again, because um, today was also a good day for that. And so I downloaded the latest beta, and um, with the latest beta, I can't even run it, um, because I'm getting a weird permission error. And I looked it up, and there are a lot of other people that also have this issue with Catalyst apps, and uh, everybody's waiting for beta 7. I was like, well, the universe doesn't want me to work <laughs> on it. Let's <laughs> do something else.
0: Oh, wow. That that reminds me because like we're recording this on Friday evening, right? So like Apple gifted you the weekend.
1: Right. Um,
0: but I was also realizing this, like at some point we were like, okay, we're gonna record this podcast on Monday mornings, fresh after the weekend, having lots of things and talk about and like now we're doing
1: the exact opposite. <laughs> right, right. That's true. But I mean, because we didn't talk for a long time in this setting. And so there is a lot of uh, of stuff we can talk about. Um, oh, yeah. What and about I mean- you? the whole situation where we're
0: still not in an office and not anytime soon in an office, like, the whole idea of like, okay, Monday morning, first thing we do is get together is also like not there. So I think it's fair that we that we change that schedule as well.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, What about you? How did you fill up your time? Or what did fill up your time in the past couple of weeks? Anything interesting you want to talk about? Um, So like, My life has been very interesting over the last,
0: like, few weeks. Um, And I'm sure that we can go into that at some point on on the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, lots of things going on. Uh, You know, I'm just trying to enjoy doing things outside as well, like you mentioned, like, not necessarily, like, you know, I'm trying to stay inside wherever possible with with everything going on. But uh, where possible also to, like, you know, support local things and like being being able to go out for a walk, mm. and just you know spending spending some quality time with with friends and family. Mm. Um, like that is just what I feel is really important at the moment. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm trying to focus on that. I I mean, I still want to do something. I mean, I'm not not sure if it's fair to say something similar to you with like with HyperDAC, um, but like. I really want to like take some time to like build like a side project where I can Mm. just experiment with things. Mm. Um, What I've been running into, like, first of all, like it's the beta cycle. So you have that again, right? Like a lots of new things, lots of like everyone trying out things in a different way, having different opinions on things, bugs, issues. uh, And like, I feel like if I want to do something, it's like, it doesn't really matter what kind of idea it is, but like, I want to try out a little bit of Swift UI and I want to mm-hmm. try out a little bit of Catalyst and like build something that is like not perfect, but like it kind of could work on like iOS, Mac OS, potentially tvOS.
1: And it's like, it's just so overwhelming so quickly. Yeah, absolutely true. And also what I find is that if you, at least that's what happened to me, you want to build something, let's say it's kind of smallish, Um, But while you do that, you realize you have a dependency upon something else that doesn't exist in the way you would like it to exist, let's say an external package. And so you get another project that you kind of have to build in order to make your main project. And maybe while you're doing that, you find a open source project that you can use like an open source Swift package awesome. But then one thing is not the way you want it to be or there's some sort of issue nobody ran into. And then you have to put, create a pull request for that. And they're like these the tickets they go in all directions. <laughs> and until you, you reach back to the point where you actually can do what you want to do, you have a lot of additional stuff that suddenly happened but that nobody sees. Yeah, I
0: think that would be like the advantage of a project that I have in mind where it would be like, It would be simple where i probably don't need like many external packages Mm -hmm. um but i would very much rely on the defaults to work
1: everywhere and to work as expected okay okay um Um, i'm really curious what it's about and i don't want to hear it now because i think you will probably talk about this in the future once you reach some point but i'm very curious now
0: well i mean honestly like i don't really have anything like i've started some things in the past Mm -hmm. um so, and, and I think they're not like, they're not secret. They're not too exciting. Mm. Uh, but like one of the things, and, and again, you know, I might come up with something new, but one, one of the projects that I started a while ago was like, uh, like a kind of a dictionary on like the world of watches, right? So like mm-hmm. if you listen to the podcast or if you know me, like you probably know that I like watches um, and just to like have this like idea of like, okay, I can reference any anything from like brands to like uh, complications to like just you know uh, things in the watchmaking world mm-hmm. and then the 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 idea to build like a quiz kind of thing as well was there uh, which I thought would be fun for like okay maybe that's something I can branch out to like multiplayer and especially that might be something to branch out to the TV OS um, so yeah it's like but the core of like okay it's just a reference app basically is mm-hmm. yeah makes makes things simple at the core but then again mm-hmm. like
1: i just choose a different level of complexity basically yeah if you especially if you target all devices um, yeah, and it's probably then going to be swift ui only with the with the new app model and so on well so i haven't i
0: haven't tried the new app model yet so when i started building this it was in a ui kit mm-hmm. um, I honestly don't know if I like trust SwiftUI enough to just go fully in on SwiftUI, mm. um, because I still find it like overwhelming and, and like tricky to build like a whole app with rather than like you know the component system that I've been working on in in SwiftUI. Mm. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like building something in SwiftUI, uh, like recently I built like a small app with the new sidebar stuff. Like it feels so much less, like a lot less work. But at the same time, I find it trickier to
1: like have control over. So I I couldn't totally see where you're coming from. I I also didn't choose Swift UI for the full app package, right? But it back then it didn't work. Um, But even now, I would be hesitant to do that because it's a weird feeling, but there's so little code that I would be sometimes be feeling constrained as to where do I put things? Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure if I exp- can express this correctly, but basically it, it's so little that I don't really know, you know, you have all this logic and what beforehand were controllers and so on, but how do you want to do that now? And how do you move this? And there's a lot of things that have probably the right place, but I don't know that well enough yet. And then I, I, I will, There's a lot of learning then going into that. Where with UIKit and a classical UIKit app, um, at least with the general structure of the scaffolding, you immediately know where to place things. That takes a lot of burden.
0: Yeah, I feel I feel completely like similar. Where it's like in SwiftUI for me, it's super overwhelming. Of like, where do I put my logic and how does that all work together? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in UIKit, I would definitely feel more comfortable with like, okay, how do I do the API design? Where do I put things? Um, you know, how do, do things play together? Right. Um, but at the same time, I definitely do want to have at least a Swift UI like component, like, cause it's still like, I still see it as being the future. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to, to how Swift now has like kind of overtook uh, Objective-C in, in many ways. Um, not that it is necessarily better. It's just, like, it's different. It probably fits better with, like, the current way of thinking about ad- about apps and, and whatever. Uh, and I definitely don't want to lose sight of, of that and, mm. you know, become, like, someone who maybe has this difficulty r- difficulty to write Swift UI or, or Swift, I would say, right? Mm. Um, and, and, like, staying in the past like nothing uh, against objective c i still love that i would get to work with objective c like it's weird but yeah i do want to like just figure out what the current the current state of things are and right this,
1: yeah. this I, I think you um kind of brushed past a very important point and that is if for certain companies um, that have larger code bases that have been developed for some time. If you want to work on that right now in the current situation, the requirements are that you kind of know Objective-C. Um, you also know Swift. Um, you obviously know UIKit and you also know Swift UI, which is a huge amount of information that you have to get to understand in order to feel w- well in that code base. There's And all these things are very different, Objective-C. And Swift are very different languages and UIKit and Swift UI, UI are very different frameworks, uh, with a different very different complexity. Um, and having being able to understand all that if you're just falling into this, if you didn't grow up with that, it's 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 very tricky and feels very like a huge burden.
0: Yeah. And then what, what I like about it as well is like it it goes both ways where like if you learn, if you get to know more about Swift UI. You you can take that back to UIKit. You can take that back to Swift. If mm-hmm. you learn more Swift, you can take that back to Objective C. The other way around as well. If you learn mm-hmm. Objective C, you can take that back to Swift and like see like okay, what have I learned? How does mm-hmm. that impact me going forward? Uh, you know, what are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? And I think that's
1: a val- very valuable learning as well absolutely i mean if you if you master all these technologies that's unbelievably useful because they all they are also a little bit ingrained but it's just a lot of information and a lot of things you have to understand for a newcomer that's really tricky
0: yeah i feel like that's that's my 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 main gripe or my main struggle at the moment is just managing this complexity of whatever way you go in right like if you mm-hmm. go fully on SwiftUI, you have that complexity if you go into like oh i want to support like App extensions or want to support like all of these new APIs, then you're restricted to like the new versions. It's just yeah, it's 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 hard. It's hard, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. not
1: becoming easier. I feel no. Um, I guess at some point there will be a Swift Dart database, so to to equivalent to Core Data, but for Swift and Swift Projects. Um, Apple is going to to replace more of the core technologies with uh, Swift-based technologies. So only expanding the the list of things that you kind of have to know about.
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I I actually want to mention this. So uh, I made good friends with someone I've been mentoring. Uh, His name is Cesar. And he's been working on an app mostly in Swift UI with a lot of core data and he's basically been hammering at me for like the last year of like, I cannot wait and I expect Apple to (laughs) like reintroduce core data for SwiftUI or for Mm -hmm. Swift. Mm -hmm. Um, So like you mentioning that, like, I mean, I also can see it happen, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like, I don't know, I haven't really played with with core data and SwiftUI, but it seems to be pretty ingrained, right? Like, it's not like they let core data slide and it's like, oh, you just figure it out yourself until we, bring something new so like i'm not yeah i'm not too convinced about it but, so no,
1: you know. I'm, I'm I'm 100% convinced. And the reason being that Core Data, um, I actually forgot the code name it had before it became Core Data. It's a, I think EX something. It's a very, very old technology and it's completely built upon the next technologies, upon Objective-C, upon, upon Cocoa, upon this runtime reflection, um, the the small talk, the message sending and so on. So it's a fundamentally, the, the, the whole stack is based upon the strength of Objective-C. Um, whereas if you would, nowadays write a database that is based on SWIFT and upon the strengths of SWIFT that means very, very good type safety, um, maybe key pass, um, runtime reflection with the the SWIFT metadata. Um, And then also a lot of the improvements in database technology that we've seen over the years so apple also has been buying a couple of companies one i think was called foundation db that is a server-based database for for key values and so i think they also have a a lot of additional knowledge now and then the, the um computer science background for databases has also evolved up to more performance and, and other things. And so I think if Apple would do that, would create a new database, it would be fundamentally different from core data. And it will probably offer type safe queries like with SwiftUI. We have these um we had the function builder that allows you to describe a view hierarchy. And you could do the same with queries that are completely I mean people are probably doing that on, on GitHub, but that would be then, then built into Xcode where the um, your expression to gather data from the database is expressed at compile time, and maybe then also already rendered into schemas in- at compile time, so that the runtime performance is crazy fast. There's a lot of things you can do, um, and I still see Apple doing that at some point. But they have a lot of tasks, so maybe it doesn't have the highest priority. Because as you say, Core Data it works well with SwiftUI and with everything else that Apple has.
0: Yeah, and I think especially like you know I I feel that it's. Not necessarily inevitable, but I would not be surprised, right? Like, I would also not be surprised if it takes another year or two. Mm. um, Because at the same time as well, it's like you're talking about databases, right? Like things that are fundamental backbones of thousands, if not like 10,000s or or, or more apps. Mm. And like core data is proven to work reliably and like just building a new database stack also requires you to be very sure about all like the current like use cases and like all of that like it, yeah it's i don't know true. how that worked with with core data and i don't know how that worked with with other database systems but uh yeah
1: yeah i mean you're right about that uh, and i think if if apple does something like that it they will try to i would guess um fix a lot of the things that were added um to core data over its lifetime, like um, cloud syncing, for example. Like if if I expect a new database from from Apple, that it would be iCloud native. So there wouldn't be any trouble with how you sync data over the cloud that would somehow just work. Um, And a lot of, I mean, I'm dreaming now, right? Um, and a lot of a lot of other things that would were later on editor to core data to make things simpler. They would just be part of the model. But I'm also not an expert here, so I guess there there are probably a lot of people that that know much more about core data and about the state of databases that say no, nah, core data is the best it gets because fun- fundamentally in the the engine it uses is SQLite, which is one of the world's best uh, small SQLite database in- engines. So maybe it is the best we have and we will ever have. I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm just right. hoping for more.
0: What What you bring up is a is an interesting point, though, right? Like, if they were to build a replacement, you want it to be better. You right. don't right. want to just rebuild the same thing. No. Um, what I find interesting as well is like you mentioned, like you know, it's built completely on top of Objective C, etc. But like, Apple hasn't really been like modifying like frameworks APIs to Swift. Or at least I'm not aware of like fundamentally Objective C frameworks. Like sure we have Foundation and like all the naming, um, and since Swift two we have like error throwing. Like that was quite a, a change. But like what they could do is like sure Objective C is the backbone, but you can hide that. You can build a Swift UI or a Swift uh, framework. I mean. Uh, or Swift layer on top of it that uses key paths, that uses whatever like right. no, Swift technology.
1: I think they're doing that in parts. So in with Swift, Swift three, I think we got Data instead of NSData, which is a value type that that basically hides a NSData object internally, um, and we got that for a couple of types. So there, they, Apple basically created a wrapper that. Allows us to use the Swift type safety that you can't express with lightweight generics from Objective C, um, and I I don't think they did that for Codata yet, but they could do it. But what they did is they did add a lot of lightweight generics to everything that um, that Codata and so on has, and they could theoretically add another layer. Um, the question is how much uh, how much they can actually buy with that, like how much more type safety do you get if if it if it disappears after the first layer um, that goes beyond um, the um, lightweight lightweight generics that object to see has anyway
0: oh yeah exactly and that's like that is only what what apple knows right it's like what is the whole current state what is worth to put in like put effort into um you know what kind of people do we have what kind of experience do we have uh and, and like can we afford to to build a project like this right because even at the scale of Apple, you know, they still have to make decisions and say no to things and focus. So, yeah, yeah, we'll prob- yeah they have their one thousand no's. But I think you know, whatever happens, it's going to be exciting to at some point see a replacement or an improvement or change to to something as old as as Core mm-hmm. Data.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, something else that um, I can briefly mention is that. Um, you did, there's this Fortnite situation that arose with Epic um, adding their own app store to it and then um, Apple had to pull it from the App Store and now they lost their developer account and nobody can play Fortnite anymore on their devices. And I had tried Fortnite before last year on an iPad briefly and I didn't like it much, I have to admit. So I tried to play it a bit and I was like, no, this is not fun. But I tried it on an iPad and I think I used uh, used to the touch controls. Um, but now that it was gone, as we humans are, if you if there's something you can't have, you're suddenly interested. And so now that it's not there anymore, I decided I want to play it. And so I, um, since I have a Windows gaming PC, I'd installed it. Uh, and i have to say i'm pleasantly surprised it's it's bef- compared to how it was like on the ipad um and so i enjoyed playing it it's just that everybody is so much better than me that i usually die very fast and um, there's so much stuff that you have to do at the same time um that makes it tricky to play but what i found interesting is i'm not even so based on the diff for me the the difference between playing it on windows and playing it on the ipad i'm not even sure how big of a issue it is for Apple, uh, that Fortnite isn't available on the on the Apple devices anymore for now any for now. Because to me, it, it didn't feel like a game that's much fun on an iPad or on an iPhone, whereas on Windows, it was great fun. Do you have an opinion on that?
0: Um, well, so I, I've never played it. Um, uh, but I, I've never really played games on an iOS device. Like, I remember that, and this is a few years ago at this point, um, I think it was Nintendo's first game. It was this Mario Mario game? Yeah. Like Mario Run or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, Mario Run. And I was excited about it. So, you know, it came out, I downloaded it. I think, I, I think I've done one level. Mm. And then I was already like, okay, like, I don't know what it is, but mobile gaming is just not for me. Like, mm. it's just... Like it, my attention span is like zero, like mm-hmm. absolutely zero. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you definitely need a very, like you need like a native game to iOS to really make it work. Um, mm-hmm. I remember this card game based on like, uh, like Kings or whatever, like medieval card game. Like that was a bunch of fun. But, like, at some point, you know, it's like, okay, I've seen it. um, This is not where I spend my time. Mm -hmm. And I think especially with, like, a game like Fortnite, right, like a shooter, and, like, um, it's just hard to translate that to a touch device, I would say. Uh, Totally.
1: I Um, mean, you can also play it with a joypad um, for the iPad, which I didn't try. But I also feel shooters are more trickier to play with a joypad in general to me.
0: Um, right so like now on ipad as well you have like the the mouse etc which might make mm -hmm. it more interesting but i think especially a game like fortnite right like this has been a huge hit on like desktop pcs and like that means that you're not catching that market that is on on ios devices Mm -hmm. that is on tablets that is on mobile devices so i mean i'm assuming this like this game's built with unreal engine i think yeah Uh, which is like a multi-platform thing. So like these kind of like big companies, like if I were them, like I would also look into like, okay, how can we bring this to like the market of, of mobile? And like, it might be different or it might be, not necessarily like the same ergonomics as as on a a, a mobile computer, but I'm pretty sure that there is a huge group of people that still wants to play these kind of games also on mobile devices. Maybe it's more used to it. Um, But yeah, I think that's, you know, especially these used games, like even if they are not optimal on these devices, they still have a a place to be. Um, Yeah, I'm not
1: questioning that. I just wonder because Epic is using fortnite as a point of leverage to um get apple to basically open their their app Store royalty collection and i i'm not sure if i mean fortnite is a very good game and worldwide known but i'm not sure if like the ios user base and the ipad user base and so on if that is enough as a leverage point for apple i mean obviously if it were apple might already have have changed but i am also certain that they that whatever Epic wants, like opening um, private app stores or custom app stores, I don't think this is something Apple will ever do. So, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know
0: what, what their what their end game was, right? But I definitely think that in a way, they've uh, like achieved a lot, right? A lot of people are talking about it. We're talking about it. I've played the game. Will, right like this will in the long term probably change things i would think or at least like apple would consider well consider things like developers will think differently um and you know and i'm very much guessing at this point but like i just said right like this is this feels like it's mostly a desktop game so maybe it was like a, a sacrifice from epic right where they're like okay, like the user base isn't great, but the game is very well known. So we will get a lot of traction behind this while like, okay, if they do remove it from the app store, that's like, okay, you know, it sucks, but, uh, it's probably fine. Whereas like if they wouldn't be able to run on other devices, like that would be a problem.
1: Mm. Yeah. But that's all speculation, of course. Right. Yeah. It's, um, to me, it's it's a very interesting situation because the thing that Epic wants, and obviously now they um, they took um, Epic to court, and so that probably was also part of their plan because everything all of that happened very quickly. Um, but I, I obviously my legal understanding is. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't know um, how much chance we has in that situation, but it sucks for the users. Uh, and, and Apple must have known that this is something that Apple obviously doesn't want to do. Um, so they probably estimate they have chances winning that battle in court, um, and that would fundamentally shift the um, shift the, space, the, the app store space uh, because if if they're indeed private app stores.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like Apple has has won in the past basically and i think apple still has like the the strongest like stand basically um but like challenging that and like seeing where things go next that's good i'm just not so happy about this whole like court situation because in the past like on topics like i know what we have we had like all the gates right the antenna gate and like the this like display gate with the with retina macbook and like other things where, where Apple is taken to court for like uh, like iBooks, I think, like it goes to court and then it just drags on for years and you don't really hear anything excited about it ever again.
1: Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, these, these things take time, right? Because people need to inform themselves, they need to gather the, the evidence and then the judge needs to understand the, the situation. It's not necessarily normal that well, whoever judge, I mean, this is a high profile case, Yet they will probably get one of the best judges. But nevertheless, all these tech things are kind of difficult. So they, that's also something they need to inform themselves on. So and you want to be properly informed. So that takes time. I think there was many years ago, I followed one case very, very uh, in very much detail. There was there used to be a company called SCO that um so linux the operating system is open source and it is free and in oh i it, it will tricky for me to, to get the year right maybe one 2000 2001 there was a company that sued linux because they they think that uh, it was a unix distribute seo was a unix distributor and unix is like a different version of, of linux i don't want to go into the details um but uh, unix is commercially uh, patented, and uh, they sued the open source Linux because they thought that Linux um, violated their patents, uh, which would mean that all of Linux would be invalid and had to be taken down. And back then, I was a Linux user, so I was very interested in that. And if there are other Linux users, they are listen to this. They're probably just. Crying right now of of my bad description of this case, but it's a long time ago, and I followed that <laughs> over the whole like over the whole ordeal, and I think it took seven years until it reached its final um the final verdict, or five oh, years, wow. maybe a long amount of time.
0: And then, like it just sizzled out, or like what was the what was the the verdict?
1: Yeah, so I think it was after the, there was a spike in the beginning where everybody was shocked about that because the I, I think the claim was that a lot of the code that was in Linux was copied over from STO Unix, and then as the as the case progressed in the first couple of months, this a lot of code came down to in the end two functions. And then that was like all they had actually. So I think there was mostly, this was mostly based on lawyers. We thought, well, we can win against these open source guys. And then these two functions were also very generic functions for a specific problem where you would be hard pressed to develop this algorithm in a different manner. So in the end, what it came down to was there was a little bit of code in STO Unix and in Linux that looked the same. But the reason why it looked the same, like, like a bubble sort, for example, is that these algorithms there are not really that many different solutions to, to for this problem. And yeah, then they lost the case, but it took a long amount of time because also there uh, the judge, and that was in the 2000s, the judge really has to uh, accustom to this, right? If you read it as no. text, it looks the same. And you would, or if you read it as a poem, then it also looks the same. And you would say, well, this poem is clearly. A copy of that poem because a poem can have any any way it, you can express it in any way but for code you sometimes only can express it in a very few amount of ways and everything else doesn't work and uh, yeah that was the seo versus linux case i've been
0: uh, i've been writing a blog post recently um where like i don't know like i love writing but like it's not something that comes naturally to me uh And it's like, if I get this like search of like, okay, I have an idea. I want to write about it. I also like, ideally I, I need to have like time and focus for like, you know, to finish it, Mm -hmm. um, because like, if I let it slide, then I have to come back to it again, like at a later point, which is actually what happened, uh, writing this latest blog post. Um, and then you, you come back to it and it's like, okay, I have another search of, of like inspiration. And then you write the second part and then you look at the first part and it's like, wait, like the whole flow is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so incredibly difficult. I'm very like, I look up to the people that do this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely like that, that's quite the skill. That's quite the scale.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I actually have a similar problem with code. If I don't work like on a side project for too much amount of time, I have trouble getting back into it, because I I have forgotten like what did I write, where is it. There's obviously documentation from time to time, but for a small side project, there, there isn't much. And then I really have to figure things out again. And since it's a side project, so there's nothing, nothing really important about that, I just drop it. <laughs> because it's like understanding what I actually meant to do and, and why I stopped and, and what was the next thing I wanted to do and maybe what didn't work and I what did I already try to make it work. Uh, this information is gone.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. I think that's a great comparison. Um, I have the feeling that for me, it's also go- sometimes going the opposite way where it's like it's a side project, but I still want it to be like, oh, I want a test and I want this and it was that. And then like, I get demotivated because it isn't mm-hmm. moving forward, mm-hmm. um, and and like finding that balance everywhere. Like I feel that that's like that's our job, right? Mm-hmm. Like finding that balance in a side project, finding that balance in an actual project, um, figuring out like okay, we need to ship something by the end of the month. We can't do everything. What do we focus on?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean that's something for, for everything in life right for every everything you do in life you have to make you have to for yourself understand how deep do i want to go um, like if you're researching something like there's something that always i think it's called nerd sniping where i'm always being let's say i want to buy something and that's let let it be something simple i want to buy a new computer mouse let's say and like the reasonable thing to do is, let's say, to maybe read one article where you see what is a good mouse or maybe even just buy the first one that comes up when you look up mouse on Amazon and, and that has the highest rating. But for me, this easily can turn into a three day ordeal where I um, and it's suddenly know the different technologies that the mice use for um, for, um The optical uh, reading technology for the ground and what kind of buttons are used in the mice and what are the pros and cons of these buttons and is it good that the malt is very heavy or very lightweight? And that's that it's easy for me to to run into a situation like that and I always have to keep myself from doing it. Um, It happens all the time. Tricky.
0: So, so there's a there's a word. Uh, or a term called overchoice, or choice overload, Mm. and it's a cognitive impairment in which people have a difficult time making a decision when faced with many options, Mm. this is definitely something that happens to me, Yeah. Um, so what I really like is, well, either what I love is, like, if I have, like, a friend, or family, or whatever, who just happens to have talked about a mouse right in this example Mm. and then say like okay do you like your mouse what is it like which one is it would you recommend it and then just going with that Mm. Um, alternatively ask on twitter
1: of course i mean it's 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 less about that the problem is more that um, it i fall into this situation all the time and sometimes i don't even realize that i fell into it so that, right. that's the problem. And there's also, yeah. there's a related issue to what you just mentioned. It's the paradox of choice. And that is because when you have so much choice, you end up being unhappier than when you had no choice. There's a, there's a economics guy who had a story about that. And he said, well, when, I, when he was younger in the city where he lived, there was one store that had one pair of jeans. And when his jeans didn't work anymore, when it was broken, he would basically go there and he would buy that one jeans and he was happy. He had the best jeans he could buy. But now he goes into a store and there are like 70 different or 100 different types of jeans and they are different variations and he tries five of them and finally takes the one he seemingly likes the most and he buys that. But then he's not as happy because there's the constant nagging feeling that maybe between these 150,000 different jeans, there's one that could have been better.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's actually something I've thought about, but I've never like gone ahead with It's like find, especially in like clothing, like find something I like and then just... Basically buy that for life, um, but that is then you also hit this issue of like you know if you like a particular like you know sock or whatever, and then it goes out of business or whatever or it's not available. Then you have this problem of like, oh my god, what now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
0: Which is which is to say, I'm basically try like thinking about problems that aren't there yet but mm-hmm. might be there, and just yeah procrastinating.
1: Right. So, I mean, that, that is something that Steve Jobs also had, right? He had this a similar problem. And so his solution was he bought a shitload of the black turtleneck things that he had. Like he re- realized the, the the one he liked and he bought like hundreds of them because they thought if they at some point, maybe they uh, I can't buy them anymore. And I know I like this. I don't have to think about this problem anymore. I will just wear these all the time. If one is broken, I'll buy the next one. Uh, I'll basically take the next one from storage. Right. But then was there an issue or like that he managed to pull it off? Yeah, he managed to pull it off. I couldn't because like if I have a pant I really like, I, I, I think my girlfriend would have a word with me if I buy 500 of those <laughs> and place them in her living room. Maybe. Maybe you should try. Who knows? <laughs> it's the next episode of uh, Controversy, where I ask people if they want to have pants. Oh my...
0: I guess we'll see each other at the next. Well, hear each other at the next episode, right? And then yeah. see what we what we come up with to to talk about at that point. Right. I think there will be some some exciting updates.
1: Yeah, I guess I guess so as well. And um, I wish you a great weekend, bus, and uh, to all the yeah. listeners, thanks for listening, and uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. All right, okay. bye bye. Bye.